Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Recorded live. <laughs> that is the silliest thing, I swear to God, I love it, though. <laughs> I've been to that since January 2011. It still cracks me up, you know. So, so uh, this is uh, session one of eight sessions of the program called Qualifying Men. Uh, it is me and my home sister, Mare. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> today is... Um, uh, May 6th, we just missed Cinco de Mayo by one day, doggone it. It's, uh, we start at 8.20 a.m. Looks like we're going to have uh, morning calls. And, um, you know, I just want to say welcome and thank you for the opportunity to making a difference because you won't be different. Matter of fact, you might want to take a picture of yourself now because by the end of this program, you're going to be so different and ain't even funny. So, um, Wow. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's that. So, um Anything you want to say before I get started? Because I'm otherwise I'm going right in. Yeah, let's do it. Let's go right in. All right, great. So the program is designed to cover four areas. One, to uh, get you out of your own way so you can see men as they really are. Then I want to tell you how men really are. That's the second part of it. And then the third part is going to be uh, how to um, select the right guy, how to qualify them properly so you can recognize who's for you, and then for how to wrap them around your fingers so that they stay. So um, that's how it's going to go, approximately two sessions for each. Um, you know, but depending on time management, I'm not sure is that definitely going to um, go that way, but that, that's that's about how it's going to go. The second part, um, the second, I should say, sessions three and four, are um, going to be uh, um, the top 20 differences between men and women. Um, but sometimes that has to go three sessions because it's just too much. You know, like, you mean, like, yeah, but, but how come and, and it like that? So I have to go in and, and, and I'm, I'm, uh, it's enough space um, in, the, in the program to be able to do it in, in, in three sessions and still end the program on time. So I just want to give you that as an answer early. And, um, and, and so now we begin. So, uh, first session is about um, seeing men as they really are. So I'm going to read something that I wrote, and then uh, we'll I'll go into the talking part. So, men are not all the same. Men know this, and they know that many women think men are all the same, but fortunately, the creator is much wiser, more generous, and creative than to make all men or, or anything all the same. If he can make snowflakes and planets completely unique from each other, he can do the same with men. One of the problems with a woman's inability to see men as they really are is her personal relationship with reality. The more a person is willing and able to face being wrong, making mistakes, and using that information to become more successful, the, the ability to be wrong and make mistakes, 
the more willing that person is to look reality in the eye, give up expectations of things going a certain way, and stop feeling bad or defensive about being wrong or being blamed. Another issue is her understanding of how men are from different women, knowing there's a difference and being clear on what those differences are or two different things. In other words, knowing that there's a difference between men and women and, be, and, and being clear on what those differences are is two different things. Men are your, are your partners in living a great life, a life of love, fun, self-expression, and fulfillment. They have certain skills and capabilities necessary for the survival of the species, just as you do. But each man is different in many ways, and during this program, you'll understand just how different, unique, and beneficial they are to you and to life. So, um, anything you want to say about that before I move forward? That's beautiful. Great. Okay, great. Now, we're going to cover this question I'm about to ask. So, what's it going to take? In order for you to see men as they really are, rather than how you want them to be, let me ask this question again, and then I want to hear your answer. What's it going to take in order for you to see men as they really are, rather than how you want them to be? Um, to give up being controlling. Uh-huh. And give up um, forcing um, things to happen, um, uh, like being forceful, being controlling, and uh, giving up that, uh, and, and just and coming from blank canvas, like meeting them for the first time, like so, just dropping everything I thought I knew about. <laughs> about men and what does and doesn't make them tick. Awesome. So um, even though this, this this call is private and nobody's going to be hearing it, I do want to be responsible for things, but I know you're about to lead an introduction. I'm not saying where, but I think that your introduction is going to be different now after this call than it would have been if you did not had this call. <laughs> uh, because uh, some of the things you're about to hear uh, you're going to want to apply to uh, when you, you know, doing introductions. So I just want you to know that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, great. Yeah. So um, that question is kind of a trick question because, you know, I've thought about it in depth for extended periods of time, whereas usually I ask that person a question, that's the first time I've ever thought of it. So they kind of like have an uh, unsafe, unfair disadvantage um, in, in this conversation here. But that's okay. I'm going to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. So. So um, in order to be able to see men as they really are, you're going to have to use different filters, different contexts, and a completely different mindset. You're about to be presented with some mental tools to help you see who men really are. Some of these tools you may already be using in some areas of your life, and some you may not. Some of them may be something you're finding out about for the first time. Wherever you are in relationship to them is fine because the main thing is to learn them and make them a part of who you are. 
So in order for you to see men as they really are, you're going to need to, um, I have a list of seven, 16, no, let me see, uh, 16 different things <laughs> that you're going to need. So I'm going to write a list off, and then I'm going in with the list. So in order for you to see men as they really are, you're going to need to be loving, be curious, be accepting, stop being needy, give up expectations, stop being impatient, stop making men wrong, stop micromanaging men, raise your level of confidence, be responsible for your own happiness, give up your past experiences and stories, give up the illusion that men are supposed to be able to read your mind, develop a powerful, accurate relationship to reality, respect the creator's intentions for how and why he created men, see that seeing men as they really are is the only way a real relationship with a man is going to work, and last but not least, find things to admire about the men in your life. You don't have to take on all the things on this list. Just take on the two or three items that speak to you most or you feel would make the biggest difference. And even the easiest, or, or even you can even just do the easiest to do first. As long as you give your best to make sure you're transforming your views and attitudes towards men, you'll be making your own life easier and more joyful. I'm going to explain each of the items in some depth so you have a more clear understanding of which ones you would benefit from using and in some cases how to use them. So before I go any further, before I go in the first one, I just want to create a context for doing this program. And I think you're already kind of doing it this way, like your mindset is about like honoring your word and honor, taking care of integrity and all that stuff. But I'm going to ask you to, to take on this in a new way, um, and that is to commit to doing this program as, as um, fully as you would want a man to commit to you. Oh, wow. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, because one of the things is that women want men to commit to them, but they hesitate and hem and haws. But as long as he's committed, everything's fine, right? But I want you to do this program the way you would want a man to commit to you. You taking that on? I am. I'm in. Great. Okay. So now, here we go. First of the 16 things that you would need to, uh, to do or take on in order to see men as they really are is to be loving. So when I say loving, I mean be in a way that creates a loving space or environment. But you don't do that for that. You do it because you love being loving. The same way you love babies, seeing people getting saved from dangerous situations or just connected to other people's humanity, love men that way. That's the way they love you. So, yeah, it's not like a romance loving. It's like lovingness of humanity, lovingness of life. Love them from spirit, and you'll be able to see them better. Next, be curious. Curiosity makes us stop thinking and just watch, which is a good thing, because we have a better chance of seeing what's really going on. 
it's one of our primary ways of learning because when a person is really curious, they unconsciously turn off the voices in their head and are fully present to little or no distractions or beliefs getting in the way. Their mind is hungry for new information and usually won't stop searching for answers until it gets some. So by taking on curiosity, you'll naturally learn and understand men more and more quickly, and it will remove your assumptions long enough for them to get replaced with more accurate information. Make sense? Mayor? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, great. So, um, so what I want to say, um, do you, do you, have you ever really thought about curiosity? Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, a bit. Okay. And, uh, any thoughts you have about it? Just curious. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, um, yeah, my thoughts about it are that it's fun, um, yeah. it's, um, energizing, mm-hmm. um, it's, um, so it's like a, you know, it's like an exploration, it's like an adventure, and, um, um, and, uh, it's something I, I enjoy doing, um, yes. and then, in for me is um, thinking of a a talk I recently watched. So I'm a huge Oprah fan and I'm a huge Super Soul Sunday fan for what Oprah does on Sundays. And um, there's a recent talk by Elizabeth Gilbert, the writer of that incredibly popular book, Eat, Pray, Love, about years ago. Her, she often, you know, for years she talked about passion and finding your passion and she now um, was admitting that, you know, this whole finding your passion thing can be incredibly stressful for people and, like, why don't I have mine and other people seem to have theirs and blah, 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 it's just more stressful. And so she's um, uh, has moved to curiosity. And That's awesome. And Are you, um, is the phone breaking up, or are you are you're talking, or are you, like, pulsing? Um, no, uh, no, it's just here. Okay. I can okay. call speaker. Is that better? Um, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm curious. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, curiosity shuts the brain down long enough for it to just do one thing, wait and see. Mm. You know, when we watch movies, we're completely curious. We don't even, our brain shuts off. We're not even talking. Mm. And we don't, and, and, our, and the interesting thing is our brains are photogenic. We have photogenic memory. Mm. So if we don't interrupt the process, we get it all. That's how we go watch a movie two hours, never saw it before, and can tell people half the movie. Mm. You know, it's when we start talking and we interrupt our own thinking or we interrupt other people's speaking with our thinking to ourselves that gets in the way because we can only hear one voice at a time. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're talking in our head to ourselves, we're not listening. Um, 
fortunately, though, you can learn. One of the things that uh, I learned from um, being in a particular communication course back in the day, uh, as opposed to the more recent versions of it, is that um, the brain could, could, could register up to like 500 words a minute, and uh, we speak at about 125 to 200 words a minute. So mm. we could think faster than you could speak. Mm. Mm. But if, if, you're not, if you're not aware of that, then you'll just be talking and, and, and to yourself and shutting down the other person's conversation, and they'll be left with the experience of not being heard. Mm. So curiosity is a great way to amplify your listening and take your filters out of the way so you can actually see what's really going on. So, mm. um, so I just want to put that in. You're, you're basically curious anyhow, but now you get a chance to actually use it intentionally as a tool versus, like, let it naturally take over for you, you know? Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay, great. Okay. Thank you. Great. Next, be accepting. This means to surrender to the situation you find yourself in. Another way of saying it is to stop resisting what's happening in front of you. There's a saying that applies here you may find useful. What you persist, what you resist persists, what you look at disappears. When dealing with men, there will be times when it may be impossible to figure them out or why they did what they just did. In some of those moments, you'll discover that the best thing to do is just Sing John Lennon's song, Let It Be. <laughs> You'll be able to make better decisions. You'll feel more peaceful and less upset if you can accept what he's doing without making him wrong. You don't need to like it. You don't need to approve of it. You don't need to do the same thing as he's doing or give in to him because of it. This is more like accepting the reality of something, like accepting that it's raining outside when you don't want to deal with the rain. Mm-hmm. It's not like I approve. It's more like, okay, I got it. That's the reality. So there's going to be some times when, when you're going to want to do this rather than overanalyze and overthink and, and, and tire your brain out. Yeah. Um, have you ever done any PACS programs work? I have not. Okay, great. So there's a story that... Um, the, the creator of the program talks about where she was um, trying. She was working with her. You know, she had, they had a new baby. Her and her husband had a new baby, and um, you know, she wanted to give him every opportunity to be with the baby as possible. And he was terrible at changing diapers, but he wanted to change diapers. <laughs> so she's looking at him. He's like, oh, oh my god! But she left him alone because she didn't want to discourage him and make him want to run away. So he would. And then, you know, she's right, but he leaves the baby alone and it impacts their relationship. So she left him alone, even though it's killing him. And then uh, about two weeks in, he walks over to her while she's changing the baby's diaper. And he says, you know, you really could have changed his diapers. Can you show me how? And she didn't say anything other than show him how. I was happy to show him how. But she was, like, singing, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> Because she, you know, she she let him do whatever he's going to do when he came back. She accepted that that's how he was going to do it. And what she discovered is, if you give men enough opportunity, they will come to you. But if you go bullying them around, they're not going to do nothing. But her curiosity, I mean, her accepting that that's just how he was going to be changing diapers, gave him the space to actually ask for help. Mm. Uh, so uh, accepting is a powerful 
powerful tool in this situation. Yeah, um, mm. So I just want to give you that. So, okay, next. Uh, next is to stop being needy. And I also want to stress one more thing in here, right? So some of these things you may already be doing. I don't know which ones you are, and some of them you're probably not. And so, you know, you take the ones that, <laughs> you take the ones that you really, that, you know, really call to you or you're like, it's the toughest thing. Like, some, you know, use what's useful. Don't worry about the stuff you're already doing or whatever. But I just want to let you know that this is not, I'm not assuming you do none of these. You know what I mean? Yes. Okay, good. All right. Next, stop being needy. Men want to serve you and make you happy, but they also need space to breathe. If you don't give them room the way that individual man wants it, you'll turn them off and he'll begin keeping you at arm's length. He'll start making decisions you won't like because you're robbing his energy, crowding his space, and overburdening him. And he'll resent it if he doesn't want you to do that. In addition, men value women who value themselves, and being needy defeats that purpose. You're the world's greatest expert on you, so by, being, by, so by needing someone, you're begging for attention and validation. It's okay to want attention, but you'll be okay without it most of the time, and you never need validation because you're valuable no matter what anyone else thinks. So there's a song that comes to mind, a rap song. Um, you, you familiar with the rapper DMX, yes? Uh, so I'm not great with it just across all types of music, like artist names and titles of songs. It's yeah. just more yeah. like when I hear the song, I'm like, Okay. So right. DMX right. ring a bell. <laughs> so you so, uh, said DMX does not ring a bell? No, it does not. Okay. All right, fine. So DMX was a rapper that was hot for about five years. He's still well-respected, but he hasn't come out with anything hot recently, you know. But uh, his first um, song was, um, uh, what is it called? Um, uh, Rough Riders. And um, in the song... You know, he's talking about, um, uh, uh, you know, being a rough, you know, rough riders. You know, we all take those stuff and all of that stuff, right? And um, uh, the, 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 the song went, stop, drop, shut them down, open up shop. Oh, 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 that's a rough rider's roll, right? So, anyhow, in there, it's got one of my favorite lines in there. Okay. And he, he's talking to women, and the rhyme goes, Give a dog a bone. Leave a dog alone. Let a dog roam and he'll find his way home. Stop. Drop. So what he's saying is give a dog a bone or give a guy what he wants. Then leave him alone. Let him roam, roam around. And when he's finished, come back home. <laughs> <laughs> it's like perfect training, particularly for women in dating situations, you know? So if he wants food, give him food. If he wants sex, give him sex. If he wants attention, give him session. And then he's going to go out because guys have to go out and come back in. Like dogs. Dogs have to go out, you know what I mean? They've got to go out. They can't stay in the house forever. They guys have got to go out, smell around, look around, and then they come back home. Mm-hmm. They have to. So that's how <laughs> a woman who is needy cannot do that. Mm-hmm. She can't just give him a dog a bone and then leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> you know, she can't let him roam because then she's going to be wondering about him. She might send him some, you know, she might start stalking him. Yeah. But then if you do all that, he won't find his way home. 
because he'd be like, eh, I don't know. I remember when I was married my first time, I used to be like, okay, how long can I stay out before I can't stay out any longer? Because I don't want to go home. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I was working. I had to be out of the house at 4.30 in the morning because I was working a job from 6 a.m. to 2.30 p.m. And then I worked at Madison Square Garden from 6 p.m. to, like, 11. So, you know, I, I didn't want to come home because if I left, you know, if I shaved and I didn't notice that I left hair on the sink, she would wait till I got home until she'd get in front of me, even if it took four days. Mm. Yeah, I was like, oh, no, I ain't putting up with that. I'm like, I done forgot that I did it. Or didn't notice, really. Uh, but that's a whole other story. So, yeah, being needy chases men away. It's icky. So, I don't think that's you, but I'm just saying that anyhow. So, in case it ever happens. Next. You're probably good at this one. Give up expectations. We expect things like the sun showing up, water to be wet, and gravity holding us down. Humans, beings, on the other hand, aren't as reliable. <laughs> an expectation is an agreement you have with yourself about how things should be or how they are. Because of this, expectations are a setup for disappointment. We treat expectations as if they're agreements, as if someone or something promised things were going to happen or go the way we want it going, when in reality, we're having a conversation with ourselves in our head, having no relationship to reality. Can you say that one more time, sir? Uh-huh. An expectation is an agreement you have with yourself about how things should be or how they are. Because of this, they're, an ex- they're a setup for disappointment. Because we treat expectations as if they are agreements, as if someone or something promised things were going to happen or go the way we wanted going, when, when, when in reality, we're having a conversation with ourselves in our head, having no relationship to reality. Mm-hmm. We treat expectations like they're in agreement. And they get mad when it don't happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how a relationship, we may not think about it that way, but we get as upset with an expectation unfulfilled as we do with a broken agreement. There's no difference in the relationship to it unless there's somebody that's consciously aware of the fact that they had an expectation that they get fulfilled. That's part of the reason why unfulfilled expectations are so hard <laughs> to deal with. Because we thought it was going to, we thought, you know, seemed like a good yeah. idea at the time, you know, like that. <laughs> How could it go any other way? Yeah, what's up with that, right? <laughs> so, either discuss what you're looking for in communication with men and make an agreement or accept the fact that you're going to be disappointed a lot of the time or give up expectations. Mm. That's your options. Be in communication, accept it's going to go however it's going, or expect to be disappointed. Mm. Those are your options. But I would say give up expectations, you know, because of that. Okay. And by the way, by the way, I think that, you know, when you, these, these, one of the things I was really good at when I was leading introductions myself was to be able to explain the distinctions in a way that people outside, you know, out there, could understand it. We weren't talking the, talking the, the, the lingo, you know what I mean? Like speak yes. English. 
And uh, so that's why I think some of these might actually work because if we talk about expectations, you know, uh, you know, you can use what I just said. Feel free. <laughs> I can use what you just said. What? I said, I said you can use what I just said and feel free to do so. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next, stop being impatient. Impatience is a relationship killer. It comes from making assumptions, having expectations or judgments of various types. Impatience leaves people feeling made wrong and feel like a loser. In addition, it makes people feel rushed, makes men feel emasculated, abused, and belittled. None of those things is going to make your man happy, make you happy, or your relationship work. A big part of where impatience comes from is when people get annoyed with others for not thinking or doing things the way they do. Let me say that again. A big part of where impatience comes from is when people get annoyed with others for not thinking or doing things the way they do. This makes them get annoyed at the speed with which perfection shows up. In other words, it's taking too long. Another thing that makes people impatient is wanting things to be perfect, especially if it's happening, if, if, if what's happening is getting in the way of a goal, need, or desire. So learn patience. Men want to make you happy, but they need to do things their way until they realize their way doesn't work. Like my friend's example with the baby, with the, the changing the diapers. Yes. When they realize the way it doesn't work, that's when they'll ask for help. The bad thing about this is you have no way of knowing how long it'll take before he gets to that point. (laughs) (laughs) The good thing is that once he gets to that point and you show him how to do things so he can do things right and stop driving you crazy, you'll never have to show him how to do things your way ever again, at least in that situation. And he will appreciate your patience, even if he's not fully conscious in the moments that you're being patient. Later on, he'll be like, hey, you know, you was, I appreciate so much that, you know, you, you'd like that. So, anyhow. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, you're just going to have to stop making men wrong and, you know, be patient and like that. You know, it's, it's challenging. It really is because we think differently than y'all do. Um, next. Uh, hey, hey, by the way, anything you want to say about that or just keep going? Um, yeah, it, it, towards the beginning of that um, explanation, the piece about um, being impatient makes men feel emasculated, used, was it, and something else? Belittled. Belittled. Wow, that hit me. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Oh, you know, if you want, I'll read that paragraph again if you want. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Okay, good. Next, stop making men wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Man-made haters are terrible. Oh, my God. And they wonder why they don't have anybody. But anyhow, um, men like being made wrong about as much as you like being made wrong, which is, you know, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Making men wrong pushes them away from you. They'll either argue, give you the silent treatment, go in their cave, 
or leave your presence for extended periods of time. That's if they still committed to being with you. Making men wrong is actually making both the creator and yourself wrong because you're telling the creator that you know how men should be better than the creator does and at the same time admitting that you don't know a thing about men. Let me say that again. Making men wrong is actually making both the creator wrong and making yourself wrong because you're admitting to the creator that or you're telling the creator that you know how men should be better than the creator who made them does. And at the same time, you're also admitting that you don't know a thing about men. Mm-hmm. Rather than make them wrong, try figuring them out. You will gain many tools throughout this program to do that. But for now, notice when you're making them wrong and remind yourself how much you'd hate it if he did it to you then do whatever you'd want him to do to you if the shoe was on the other foot. Mm. Make sense? Yeah. Okay. Anything you want to say or ask about that? Um, well, uh, no, I just never, well, what else to say is I never thought of it that um, you're making God wrong. Yeah. Yeah, he made God wrong. I mean, God made man this way. He made that man that way. So he must have known what he was doing. I mean, that you know, that's great planets for crying out loud, you know? Man, <laughs> man must have been a lot easier than that, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like an arrogance is how it, uh, yeah. it is that I think of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, by the way, this is why I record the sessions. <laughs> This is exactly why I record them, so that you have them. All right. Anyhow, next. Uh, next the, the next level of, of uh, making men wrong is micromanaging them. So you got to learn how to stop micromanaging men. Men know how to do things. That's one of the most attractive things about them for women and one of their greatest gifts to women. They do things because they're designed by the creator to be able to do things. They also think very different from women, which means they're going to do things differently than you. They will. They're supposed to. That's how they design. Micromanaging men is an active way of telling him he's not making you happy. Something's wrong with him. He's stupid and you don't trust him. Other than that, micromanaging is fine. (laughs) 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 You know how when Somebody says, uh, you know, he says, how you, you know, uh, are you okay? Fine. Right. That's the kind of fine that is. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you want him to do something for you, leave him alone after you get him to agree to do it. He'll either do it, make mistakes and learn from them, or eventually, if he trusts you, ask for your help, advice, assistance. Anything else is belittling and draining. Trust him or find someone else to help you. So, did you ever used to watch the Cosby show? Yes. Yeah. So, remember Bill used to always want to fix something around the house, and he couldn't fix a damn thing, right? (laughs) Claire didn't make him wrong. She'd be looking at him like, "Uh uh-oh. And then she'd play along, and then she'd go hire somebody. (laughs) (laughs) But she wouldn't make him wrong. 
She would not make a loss. We're not micromanaging him. She's like, okay, he got to express himself, but he ain't tearing up miles. Mm. <laughs> so she was coming from being loving and at the same time making sure things got done because he ain't the guy, you know. He, he, he sucked at every kind of handyman stuff he ever did. <laughs> but anyhow, so like, like that's a big example of that. So next, raise your level of confidence. Without confidence in yourself, you're going to suffer. You'll likely lean on him too much, operate like a victim, doubt him, doubt yourself, doubt the world. Dislike yourself and make yourself appear a lot less attractive than you would be otherwise. A lack of confidence tends to make women see men as resources rather than human beings. Let me say that again. A lack of confidence tends to make women see men as resources rather than human beings. If your lack of confidence makes you overly focus on what about me, what's that got to do with me, you're just using him or forcing him to use you because you don't know your own value to him or your own value to yourself enough. If you can give up your need for survival and instead, and instead build your relationship and get to know him as much as you want him to understand you, you'll be able to see him as he is and enjoy your life together. But you, but you can't see him if you're over there wondering about if you, you know, your own confidence level. You got to get that out of the way. So, clear? Clear. Next. And by the way, feel free to stop me anywhere. I mean, I didn't say that yet, but anywhere you want, you know, stop me, ask questions, whatever. All right, next. Be responsible for your own happiness. Men may want to make you happy, and you may want them to make you happy, but the reality is that the best they can do is share their happiness with you and hope you accept Anything else is selling themselves out to buy your happiness, and you probably won't even like that because you want a strong man. Any man a woman can push around is a weak man in her eyes. So you, want a, you don't want a guy creeping around trying to make you happy. You want a guy that really wants to share his happiness with you. And you want a guy that's smart enough to not get trapped by your stuff, even if you're not thinking about it. But when he doesn't get trapped by your stuff, he appears as very strong and very smart, which makes you admire him because he's not letting you manipulate him. Does that sound about right? Yeah. 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 Guys don't notice. They'd be like, oh, whatever she wants, I'll do whatever she says. Wimp. And he's like, but what? How? How come? And he don't understand it. Then he becomes in the friend zone. Now he's upset. So, anyhow. Can you say that? Mature. Say, say, so say it again. Yeah, please. Like about some of the next dude that then they end up in the friend zone? Yeah, so uh, men want to make women happy. Okay. Yeah. So men want to make women happy. And women want men to make them happy. But women want a strong man. So if a woman wants a man to do something, he keeps doing everything she says every time he says it, she feels like she can push him around. And he becomes less attractive. He becomes more he becomes predictable. 
In her mind, she, he's being wussy because he needs to be able to know how to say no to her, but she can't tell him where. Which is why I got a program called What Women Want for Men But Can't Tell Them. She can't tell him that. Mm. Right? And so the more he does without checking in, standing for himself, or deciding if he wants to do this and don't want to do that, the more he starts looking like a nice guy, and the less she's attracted to him, generally speaking. Mm. Okay. And Got then it. he's wondering, how do you get into friends? So I did everything you wanted. No, you didn't do everything you wanted. You just did everything I said. But how am I supposed to know that? Because mm. oh, he, he don't know this conversation any more than you did before I started having it. Mm-hmm. But he gotta get, he's going to get punished anyhow because he don't know. Poor guy. Sucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, it does. So mature men and women take responsibility for making themselves happy because happiness is exactly like drinking water. No one else can do it for you. If you're looking to men to make you happy, you're looking at them as a commodity or a servant. And unless a man offers himself that way to you, you've got him wrong. And there's no limit to the things that can go wrong in your relationship because of it. If you can't make yourself happy, you'll never be happy. If you see men as your source of happiness, you're not seeing men for who they really are, which will make you even more unhappy because you'll be as upset with that as you would when you find out you were eating octopus when you thought you wanted cereal. Like <laughs> <laughs> this would be an expectation that men are supposed to make you happy, but that's not the right man for you is not going to be somebody who's going to walk around trying to make you happy. He'll yeah. be walking around sharing his happiness with you and providing resources and making you feel safe and secure. You know, mm-hmm. we'll talk about that, you know. Yeah. But um, but bottom line is, you know, you can take a horse to happiness, but you can't make him drink it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's what we talk about here. All right, next. Give up your past experiences and stories about men. No one is identical to anyone else, and no situation is identical to any other situation. Similar, but not identical. The reason this is so important is that if you don't know this, you'll be trapped by your past. The men in your life will be treated by you as if they're your last three boyfriends, when in reality, you keep choosing the same type of men because you don't realize those are the types of men you keep looking for. Mm -hmm. Someone keeps having the same type of interaction as they treat people the same. If you question people the same way, you're going to get, you're going to, uh, they're going to answer you the same way because you ask the same questions. Another thing, even if they answer questions with different answers, you may not believe it because it's outside your area of familiarity. Mm. Get complete with your past your past relationships, experiences, and pain so you can discover how great men can be and how you can be happy about that. The only difference between the amazingness of young boys and adults is how you see them and the things they've been through in their experiences with women. If you can't see their greatness, you won't experience their greatness, and you'll miss out on that greatness. So there. (laughs) 
So, you know, um, it's been said that um, whatever you focus on is what you're going to get. And a lot of times people focus on things that they don't want, but they keep getting it anyhow. And so, you know, it's sort of like saying, God, you know, I don't want any more bad relationships. And he's like, you know, you're right. You don't want any bad, you don't want any bad relationships. But since that's what you're focused on, you're going to keep getting what you don't want because you keep talking about what you don't want. So a woman could be in a room with 100 men and two of them are physical abusers. And she's masterful at attracting physical abusers. And she'll talk to all 100 men, and she'll probably end up choosing one of the two of physical abusers. Do you know why? Because? She's so busy focusing on not being in another abusive relationship. Right. She's got to actually look for a relationship to, to avoid. Hmm. She's got to look for an abuser to avoid that abuser. Because really what she's trying to do is avoid abusers. You can't avoid it's not there. It's got to be there in order for you to avoid it. So you got to subconsciously put it in a place so you can fulfill on your intention, which is to avoid bad relations. So you get into bad relations so you can avoid them, and you fulfill your intentions even though you didn't know that was your real intention. Mm. So the more you hang on to your past, the more you be trying to avoid your past, which means you got to find something that's identical to your past so you can avoid it again. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah, and what about when you get yourself in a situation where someone starts to remind you of someone else, but it's not even necessarily your interactions with that person. It's just their life and how they seem to operate. So, for example, being, you know, a a man that's in business um, and, uh, t- tends to have a packed calendar and um, not a ton of free time and not like it's right or wrong, but just, uh, you know, so so that happened to me recently and then it started showing up like I had it like, oh, is this, is this situation going to go like that situation went? Because that took me five months to figure out, but maybe this one will, you know, Maybe I can apply my learnings, you know. <laughs> well, and, and, yeah. and it was hard. Like I had to, because I kept seeing the similarities, I had to keep reminding myself, like, this is a different person, you know, right. and it, it took something for me to do, to, to do that. Yeah. You know, since I had that same situation a long time ago. So after breaking up with my first wife, I uh, was living in Jersey City, and I was working at Hudson Mall. And um, no, Newport Mall is right. Uh, the one yeah, by, Newport, uh, right, right, yep. Yeah. Well, they got two, but Newport's the big one. So anyhow, I was working yeah. at Newport Mall, and I met, you know, a woman, because um, I was at that point a very skilled uh, player. And um, so I met this woman, and uh, I had gotten an apartment, you know, in, in a different part of town. And uh, she was in my neighborhood, and I was talking with her. I never did anything with her. She she must she could smell something I didn't know she could smell. But anyhow, she came by my house one evening for whatever reason. I don't even remember what it was. We was talking. She never came inside of my apartment door ever. 
and she's standing outside, and, and she said something. I said something. She said something. I said something. And then she said something, and then I said something. And then she said, "I don't know who you think you're talking to, but I'm not your ex-wife." And I was like, "Oh damn!" I didn't realize that I had been out of the house for I don't know six months. Somewhere between six months and a year, I've been living in this place. I think I'll say about six months at this point. And she was tell she basically told me that I was looking at every woman as if and expecting them to treat me the way my ex wife was. Mm. So I was getting rough with her to protect myself <laughs> when she wasn't mm. doing nothing of the sort. Mm. And when she said that, that was like the blessing of my life from her. That was mm. that was her me. Because at mm. that point it took me almost a year to stop looking at women and talking to them and as if they were my ex wife. It took almost mm. a year. Get past that. So I can completely understand it, and it's completely doable. You just got to treat each person individually, and you know that you're gonna have some commonality, similar but not identical. Huh. So, okay. anyhow, so that's that. Um. All right, next. The next one is you have to give up the illusion that men are supposed to be able to read your mind. <laughs> this is one of my favorites, I swear, because I swear women don't even realize that. You, How can he do it that way? Can have done it this way? Yeah, right. Okay. Men are not mind readers. They're not even good at taking a hint from a woman. Expecting them to read your mind is unrealistic. Actually, what is more important is that he understands you so well that it sometimes seems like they can read your mind. But expecting men to anticipate your needs and desires is an authentically understandable thing to do. But do yourself a favor and hold yourself to the same standards you've been holding men to around this. And I bet if you're honest with yourself, you'll see how difficult it is and then stop expecting it from men. You're better off learning how to teach him how to figure you out rather than go through life not being fully taken care of. Until then, stop getting upset when men don't have a clue when it comes to you. Don't make them wrong. Make a difference. So I know women don't really expect men to read their mind. It looks like that to us. But what y'all are really expecting is that we watch you so well that we can start predicting how you're going to do and we can protect you from yourself. That's what y'all really want. And, you know, y'all are kind of good at predicting what we're going to do, but not really why. And, um, and so you hope, you're wanting us to pay as much attention to you as y'all pay attention to us. And so, um, you know, you want to find somebody that is consciously watching you, that has the skill set. And, you know, it's not, most men don't know this. So you're probably going to have to teach whoever it is that's with you to be this way. We just don't know this. Unless they're, you know, coach or player. Players know how to play the game, so they know how to do this. But most everybody else, most other guys, they just don't know how to do this. If they do, you find somebody to do, consider yourself lucky. Wait. Do, have a guy. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Do what? Reading a woman's mind? Sorry, I just want to make sure I'm tracking this. Yeah, no, to make sure that they know how to watch you. They know how to observe uh, well enough, accurately enough, to make you happy. Okay. Because otherwise they probably won't. And then you'll be upset when they you need them to, to protect you. 
things I have observed is that if a man is watching a woman, she not only feels safe and secure, she also feels loved because he appreciates her enough to pay attention to her. And if he's paying attention to her, he must really care because he's got lots of things in his life to be paying attention to. But also, he can protect her. So if he ain't watching her, he ain't on, he ain't on board. He's not on, on the case. He's not on court. Mm. He's not on watch. And so if he's not on watch, how can he possibly make me feel safe and secure? So they're connected. But guys, actually, the guys think they're supposed to try to make you happy when the only way you're going to be happy is when you feel safe and secure and mm. adored. <laughs> so... You know, y'all talk about the end result as opposed to the actual thing you want to have happen. So women, men don't know y'all want to feel safe and secure. I need to feel safe and secure in the door. And uh, you never say it, so all you're leaving with is, I'm not happy. Yeah, we know you're not happy. What's going to take you to be happy? Well, I don't know. Well, that's part of the problem is that he doesn't know what's going to make you happy. And if you don't tell him, but then again, that's my program, What Women Want for Men We Can't Tell Them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, it's funny. But it's, 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 it makes sense once you understand it. But until then, it is like trying to speak dog, you know? Yeah. So, all right, next. Next, to develop a powerful relationship to reality. You know that you have a great relationship with reality when you don't try changing it explaining it away or being a victim of it. If it's raining, you accept that it's raining whether you like it or not. Liking or not liking it has nothing to do with dealing with it effectively. In this case, not liking rain won't stop you from accepting that it's raining or how to deal with it in ways that work. Having a powerful relationship to reality when it comes to men looks like you give up comparing why he thinks, says, and does things differently to how you think and do things. You accept how they are and deal with what's in front of you rather than how you want it to be. Just because you want to walk on air doesn't mean you won't fall to the ground and die if you really believe you should be able to walk out of a 10-story window and walk on air. Believing it ain't going to make no difference. Resisting reality and wanting men to be how you want them to be will frustrate you for the rest of your life because you'll be dealing with them as inaccurately as you would sticking your hands in fires. It will never turn out fine. The better your relationship to reality, the better your relationship with men will be. So, um, yeah, I don't know what to say about that other than what I just said, but uh, you got any questions about that? or I don't know why no, keep it. I'm good. Okay, next. And this is huge. (laughs) Respect the creator's intentions for how and why he created men. Here's a question for you. Why did the creator make men the way he did, and why is that good? (laughs) Yeah. So the logic behind this question is this. And by the way, I want you to carry that question with you for the rest of your life. Why did the creator make men the way he did, and why is that good? And I don't want you to see, use it to translate that into, you know, other areas. Like, why did God make snow, and why is that good? Why did God make zebras, and why is that good? Why did God, you know, make whatever, the creator do whatever, and why is that good? Because 
I don't think God would have created it if it was not good. So if you assume that it's good, you'll start noticing what that good is. I actually created an exercise that I may talk to you about one day. Um, it's called the unconscious clothing closet exercise. And, um, you know, I, I was asking this question, why did God make it so that, well, we have a good idea. The first thing our brain does is try to eat that idea alive. Mm. You know, you have a good idea, and then all of a sudden those negative thoughts come to behind it, negative, the good idea, right? Mm. Happens to everybody sometime. It happens to some people all the time. But, like, everybody's experienced it at some point or another. So I was asking that question for a while, and then it turns out that um, I, saw, I realized that the reason why that happens is because we have a great idea, but chances are that idea is in contradiction to the other thousands of ideas in our mind that's mm-hmm. contradictory to it. So our brain says, oh, that's a good idea, but it don't sound like this, so which one do you want? And that's why you get all those other ideas, not because your brain is trying to protect you and eat you alive. It's giving you an inventory so you just clean up your house. Mm-hmm. So when you hear all of these negative thoughts, that's just telling you what you need to change or get rid of so you can accomplish this new thought. And so asking this question, why did the creator do this and why is that a good thing, is a question you can carry throughout your life everywhere in every area, particularly the ones you're having a hard time trying to figure out. <laughs> you know, and then you can ponder it. And it might take a few weeks to even get the answer, but just sit in the question until you get the answer. Okay. So, okay, great. Thank you. I love it. Yes. Yeah. So the logic behind this question is this. I'm just going to read it because I think I explained it, but I won't read it anyhow what I wrote. Uh, is If he did such a great job creating this planet, the solar system, and the rest of the universe, he must have known what he was doing when he made men. <laughs> I need to find out what that is so I can be happy with him. Mm. <laughs> the question is designed to help you see that the creator is wiser than we all, than we all are put together. And if we limit our perspectives to only what we already know, life will pass us by. Also, just because you haven't been around many men that you consider quality doesn't mean they don't exist. You're right about the men you've come across or anything else other than let me find out what the creator had in mind when he created men. Because if you don't, you're never going to be completely happy with men, even if you finally keep the man of your dreams. Because you'll be happy with him for making every other man wrong. You'll even find it hard not to damage your sons and daughters with your negative views of men. Let that question be a part of your mindset when men confuse, upset, or throw you off balance in any way. It will help you maintain peace of mind for yourself and the people around you, both men and women. So. Yeah, and I just want to put in, so I have, and I realize that you know, you're working from uh, you know, some, some notes there. So for me, I, I do want to acknowledge, I... I have been around some um, uh, uh, really great quality guys. Really yes. great quality guys. Matter of fact, I moved myself from a position of all the good ones are taken. Right, I had there was a blind spot, and I could see because yes. I'd be like, you know, and uh, uh, but to yeah, I've I've actually dated some really, some really great quality men. Great, awesome. By the way, everything I'm here, see, I'm saying. You're getting this in an email. Okay. So that's the other thing. Recording and in an email. So, all right, great. All right. So next. 
um, see that that's the only way a real man, oh, excuse me, the next distinction around what's going to take to see men the way they really are is to see that and have it as a mindset that that's the only way a real relationship, a quality relationship with a man is going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to deal with men exactly the way they are and exactly the way they aren't, or you'll be as successful at that as you will be driving a car on a mountain that's having a volcanic explosion. Not good. Mm-hmm. Men, have the, men have the experience of being told what to do, changed into someone they aren't, nagged, bullied, and all kinds of mess when all a woman needs to do is find out how he wants to take care of her and let him do it. Mm-hmm. This will require that you discover who he is, what he's capable of, rather than what you want him to do, and then partner with him on getting things done. You cannot do that if you don't know who he is, and the only way a relation with a man is going to work is if you're dealing with reality rather than fantasies, expectations, past experiences with people who aren't him, but you're still feeling the pain from, or delusions based on what you want rather than what's actually so. When you're able to do this, choosing a partner becomes a lot easier because All you have to do is get to know him, decide whether he's the guy you want now rather than based on potential, and then choose him or not. That's it. By the way, let me say something about potential. You don't really want to get with a guy who's got potential unless you have the ability to fulfill, help him fulfill that potential. If you do not have the the, skill set to help him fulfill that potential, Say he's a singer, and you know he's a great singer, but he ain't getting out there. If you don't know how to promote him or connect him with promoters and make him successful, you should either do one of two things. Either accept that he may never be successful and love him anyway, or leave him alone because in two years you'll be pissed if he doesn't know how to fulfill it because he hasn't figured it out by now. Mm. So if you go by his potential... Then what you're really doing, in effect, really also, is you're treating him like an asset so you can be around when he finally hits the lottery. Mm-hmm. So if you meet a guy with potential, either help him with his potential, forget about that potential, or leave him alone. Make sense? Makes sense. Good. Good. Yeah, quick. This, this program is not going to go anywhere near as long as I thought. Because the last woman I was doing this with, I had to spend 10 minutes damn near on each one of these things, and I'm just flying through it because you're getting it, and I like it. So I'm just tired. Okay. And then uh, the last of the 16 things, I can't believe I went through the 16 things in like an hour, man. All right. Next, the last thing is to find things to admire about the men in your life. If you're interested in someone and you're attracted to them, Look to see if he's someone you can also admire. Many people get into relationships for attraction and love, but don't even notice if they actually like the person or not. Mm-hmm. As long as that person fulfills their needs, expectations, and the hole in their heart. Mm-hmm. You want more than that. You really want a man who inspires you and you admire them just the way they are. It would be good for you to write out a list of things you admire about people in general, 
so you're more easily able to recognize those qualities in men in general and your man in particular? Uh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you said that. I'm sorry. You said that Monday, and I haven't. Uh, thanks for the reminder. Okay. So that's, you know, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, every man on the planet has things about him worth admiring, just as is true for every woman. Mm. You, you may not see something worth admiring about every single man, but every single man has things that are admirable about them. Mm. Your job, should you choose to take it on and use it to make yourself happy, would be to look for something to admire about every man who's in your life right now as practice for dating or restoring the love you once had in your current relationship. So now, in closing for this section, uh, the likelihood of you needing to implement all of these practices that I just detailed is probably close to zero. <laughs> However, the likelihood of it being useful to apply two or three of them is highly likely and recommended. Just applying two or the two or three that seems the hardest or the easiest or the most foreign or the most fun or the most challenging, whatever you choose, will transform your relationship to all men in ways you can't quite imagine yet, and you'll be thrilled with the results. If after taking on the first practices and getting really good at them, there's a couple of other things you can do, you should do that. You can go for complete mastery, but becoming great at every one of the 16 practices, you know, or you can specialize in one or two and stick with them for the rest of your life. A third thing you could do, the third thing you could do is, is take on focusing on one practice for an entire month, then take on the second practice for the next month, and keep doing it until you've gone through all of them, and then do it again and again. Mm. This is just some suggestions on how to make this a part of your life so that you benefit from the practices. I'm sharing this so that um, this program doesn't become merely something you remember doing five years from now, but it's something that uses you automatically the same way driving does. Mm. Or the wisdom course does. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. This, now, this section is, is the beginning of introducing you to a new way of thinking because if you expect to have great relationships with men, you're going to need a new mindset when it comes to men. Mm. So um, let me see here. Uh, what was I going to say? Um, did you ever read uh, The Greatest Salesman in the World? I haven't. You've heard of it. I've heard of it. Yeah. Great book. Um, bottom line is it's a book to teach people how to create habits that make them great. And um, I put in a couple of things in this statement here, in this closing section here, that um, we use in that book. It's a short book. I mean, I don't know if you read how much of a reader you are or whatever, but, um, uh, you know, if you decided to use it, that would be a, a, a read it. You know, you could use a couple of hit the practices they have in there for this type of thing. So, okay. but um, this one. And this title again is The Greatest Sales Person? The Greatest Sales I don't know if it's Greatest Salesman. Yes, The Greatest Salesman in the World by Oz Mandino. This book is a classic for decades. Okay, right. Yeah, it's actually one of the books that helped me transform my own life because I, I took on the practice of creating habits that made mm -hmm. sense, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and I use it inside of the, um, not knowing that I use it inside of creating structures that work. 
Um, you know, because I was a facilities manager, so I understood something about structure, but I had not done wisdom yet when I started using the distinctions in the book. But, you know, I'm inviting you to, like, look at this, um, you know, look at what, what can you do to make these practices habits mm. where they're using you. So that's, that's the whole thing about that. So um, the last thing I'm going to say is uh, I'm going to give you a key question to ask yourself about men for the rest of your life. I gave you one, but this one, I'm telling you, you better use this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, other one the other one was suggesting a suggestion. This one, you better use because that's the only way I can guarantee you're going to be happy. You better use this one. All right, so here's a key question. <sighs> what must he be thinking that made him feel that what he just said or did was okay. I'm going to read through this, and then I'll talk about it, and then this will be the end of the call. The purpose of this question is to support you in thinking like an anthropologist and just watch men without interpretation, judgment, or anything else, and merely let your observations speak for themselves. Anthropologists don't try to figure out whatever they're studying before they finish the observation portion of their work. Only after recording their observations and looking at what the data is telling them do they begin to come to conclusions. Even then, they go back to the field, return to observation mode, record their observations objectively, and go back to the lab to analyze their data. Use this question to help you let men teach you how to understand them. So let me explain the question to you because the question is actually a three-part question, even though it's one question. So the question is, what must he be thinking that made him feel, had him feel, that what he just said or did was okay? So the first part is, what must he, what must he be thinking is the first question, first part. The second is, that had him feel was the second part. And then the third part is that what he just said or did was okay. So when we're living life, you know, our brain just does what it does, and we just do what we do behind it. But what happens is something happens, and then we have a thought about that something. And then we feel a certain way once we got the thought, and then we do something based on how we feel. And then, you know, if we have to explain it later on, we'll use logic to explain why we did it. But normally we do it because of how we feel about what we thought about what just happened. So, um, use an example, a specific example. If you're at work and you sit at your desk and you hear a glass break somewhere, you'll be like, hey, who dropped the glass? Pour them, they got to go get another glass or whatever you think about it, right? Because you'll be at work and you'll be like, uh-oh, somebody dropped the glass and then you go back to work, most likely, right? Mm-hmm. And then you're home. You're in the kitchen, you you know, cooking or something, you, you know, walk up against the glass, you drop it, right? Then it breaks. Same sound, everything, right? Damn. You know, you got to clean it up. You might have to, you know, think about buying another one. You know, you feel silly that you did, whatever you're thinking about, right? Mm-hmm. But that's thought, but it's a different thought and a different feeling than at work, right? Even though the same exact thing that happened. Mm. You didn't drop it. You know, maybe you got guests over and you're, you're over there fixing a plate and you hear it dropping in the dining room. Damn. Right? Like that. Yeah. And then that third, it makes sense? Yes. Yeah. And then the third time, you're in bed, almost fell asleep, 
the only one in the house, and you hear a glass drop. Then break in the kitchen, <laughs> and um, you have a thought that's different than the thought you had in the office or when you had company over, right? Mm, like, yes. Like, who the hell is in my house? Oh, my God. What that is, you know, like now, it's complete freak out, probably, most likely, right? Mm. You're by yourself. Why is the glass breaking? Who's in that? It couldn't break by itself because it never did before. So something happens, and then we have a thought. And that thought makes us feel a certain way, and then we do something based on how we feel about the thought about what happened. Mm-hmm. So understanding that question from that particular standpoint will help you to understand, then, if you use this question, what must he be thinking? So in the sense of, you know, you being in your house by yourself, what must she be thinking that made her feel that what she just said or did was okay would be, what must she thinking when that glass dropped when nobody's in the house that made her feel that she needed to protect herself and then go and get a gun and walk around the house? Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes. Yeah, by the way, you can use this for your coaching, too. Mm. Right? Yeah, this is being in, I, I hear it like this is being in the other person's occurring. Yeah. But this question will put you there. And this question will guide you through step thinking. Mm-hmm. It's one of my secret sources of coaching. <laughs> I'm asking this all the time. So, anyhow, um, it may seem difficult at first to remember to ask that question, but the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll be at asking it, and the better you'll be at recognizing the answer. And by the way, don't ask him the question. Ask yourself the question and let the answer come to you. Yeah. Don't force it because it may not come immediately, which is why you need to be patient. Another thing, the more you learn from asking this question, the more you'll like the question, ask yourself the question, and the more you'll fall in love with men because you'll see who they really are asking this question. Mm. You'll end up thinking at some point that God had a great idea when he created man. So that's the end of uh, today's session. Uh, 11 minutes quicker than I thought we were going to go. <laughs> no, 11 minutes quicker than I promised we would go, actually, in, in hell, half hour quicker than I thought it would take. So um, I'm happy. Uh, you're a great student, and this is going to go a lot quicker than I thought. And I'm happy because, you know, I don't need to do a long, bad session, you know. I just need to do a complete session. So, great. Great. All right, great. So now what are you taking away from this? What do you got? What's there for you? What's up? Talk to me. Okay. So so I have a question, which is um, I'm not dating at the moment, and I'm purposely not dating. So, and I had it like, let me take a break, and then let me work with you a bit and, and understand men a bit better and where I'm getting in the way and, you know, like, like that. Um, and then... I guess you know, almost like recharge myself. You know, it'll be a different, it'll be a different me, and then get back out there. So, is this, will this work if I'm not dating, or do you recommend I do just, you know, go on a date or two to um, kind of practice, you know, as I'm learning, or uh, what, what, what do you recommend? I recommend you do what you feel 
works for you because it's going to work either way. Like you can be dating, okay. it'll work. If you're not dating, it'll work because you know you'll be on the subway standing next to a guy, right? So yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. It doesn't matter as long as you walk around, as long as you're not on a on a, on an island where there's only women. This is gonna you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you you see it in the guy at the, the Indian guy at the at the Seven Eleven. You know what I mean? You know, you'll, that's, you'll, I was just thinking that. I was thinking like, my yeah, I'll be with my uh, my male introduction leaders tonight. Yeah, oh great. Yeah, you can bring this. Matter of fact, a great place to bring this into the aisle body and ILP in introduction, mm. especially introductions because people will be telling on themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. use the introductions to um, to understand men without telling them that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you'll you'll understand them so much better. You'll be able to help them get, you know, get you know that thing that they need or create their possibility or whatever. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it'll be it'll be amazing. You know, to watch people around around the center walking around, and you know, you'll start seeing the differences between men and women. For real. Okay. Okay. Also, fabulous. Fabulous. Yeah. It doesn't matter. As long as long, like I said, as long as you're not on an island without with his only women, you 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 will see, and this will apply, and it'll it'll call. Don't do that. That's the only thing I was like. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness, goodness. That's uh, funny. Alrighty. So, um, and then I just wanted to. Uh, oh, sorry. So let me. Let me more about what I'm what I'm getting. So these 16 make a ton of sense. They definitely, uh, you know, as you were going through them, um, some of them uh, reverberated might be the word. I'm not sure, but like, yep. it was yep. like, a, like a gap, right? So things like accepting, things like, um, heck, even being loving, um, uh, raising my level of confidence, um, making them wrong, being impatient. So that there was um, even the stop being needy one. I mean, I like I'm a, bit, a little embarrassed to admit that one, but you know. So it's like there was there's gaps, and it's great because it's like okay, not all the time, right? But but um, as I get as I begin to like someone more and more. The, these can show up more and more, you know, almost as like uh, uh, defense mechanisms and, and kind of sabotage things. So, yeah, so, so this is, it made a ton of sense, and, and uh, uh, yeah, a few of those really hit me like, oh, yeah, those are probably my biggest gaps as, as far as I can see at this at this time, right? You know, you know it's funny because um, another thing that I probably should put there, because I know I spoke to you about it and hadn't thought about it, but I, I probably should put on this list, is um, uh, expanding your capacity for love. love. Yeah. yeah. Is that, okay, and is that, do you think that's linked with the the first one? Like, a, maybe like. A, yeah, it could be. Lord. You know, I need to think about that because I hadn't, hadn't quite, you know, thought about it. But, you know, your capacity to be loving and accept love will definitely get in the way of a relationship. It will make you get with somebody who's at your level of love, but then you won't even like it when you're getting at that level because that means there'll be places where he's not being loving. He'll be as stingy as you in places in ways you won't like. Mm. 
You know what I mean? So um, you'd be better off learning how to handle more than that. And can you tell me again, what what was it that had you pick up on me having a small or low capacity for love, accepting love? Well, when you said, okay, listen, you know, uh, I know we're together here, but, you know, we're going to move around the way you did it. And then when you came back and said why you did it. Wait, what you know, was, I'm sorry. What, so what so we, we sat through a session, right? We sat through, you know, one, two-hour session together, right? We was talking and sharing and all that stuff. And then, you know, you it was like, oh, move around. Uh, I, I was, I was going to go to lunch with you, but I didn't care. I mean, it was like, I know I'm a social freak too, so I'm going to get around and meet everybody, right? So when you said it the way you said it, it was almost like I felt like you was pushing me away as opposed to you're going to, like, expand your network. Oh, and you know what? That's so interesting. Gosh, that's so interesting because I did that because I thought um, you wanted to do that. (laughs) And so I had it like a – now, in fairness, yeah, there is a reality to like, okay, cool, we can like – I'm glad we identified some synergies and, yeah, we can keep working them the rest of the day or or we can pick this up some, you know – the next time, but like we we have something to work with here, uh, but it's but it's also um, like yeah, I thought like kind of before I felt rejected. No, <laughs> There's definitely no. some of that in there. Like oh, I bet he wants to go talk to other people and not feel like obligated. Uh, <laughs> are you kidding me? I I thought you I thought you was pushing me away because I thought you thought I was liking you that kind of way or something. You know, like. Um, <laughs> I got, I got damn. Okay, got it. Okay, fine. Oh, uh, wow. thanks for saying that. Yeah, no, it was, it was. There was definitely part defense mechanism in there. Yeah. 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 Came back. I hadn't thought about it. Well, I was like, okay, I hope you're okay, fine. You know, I felt the house for half a second, and then uh, after then, it was when you came back and you started sharing. I was like, oh, she just told on herself. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what she said when you came back, but. Like, when you came back, it was like you got conscious of the fact that you pushed me away. Mm. And I don't know what you said, but whatever you said, it was like I heard the background conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the background conversation was, uh, I think I had enough now or something. You know what I mean? I wasn't sure what it was, what the actual statement was for you. Mm. But it felt like, um, you know, she, 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 she maxed out. She got on her. She she met her maximum capacity for whatever she was getting. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Yeah, because yeah, it's like you know, like I could see you be smiling and happy, and then all of a sudden, okay, I gotta go over here now, and like, you know, like your and it was it was a protection mechanism. This how it occurred to me. You know? Yeah, definitely, because I um because I can see too. Like I think wasn't there right? That's when like some other people. Like I think another woman came up to you and was like, "Hey, can we? Wasn't she asking to go to lunch and like let's talk about this or work that or 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 something, right?" Yes. Right. So that's what was happening. So I had it like, "Oh, I don't want them to feel like obligated," and so I didn't, and, and, you know, feel like tied, you know, tied to me or something. I was anyway, having so much fun with you. I was having so much fun with you. I would have you. You was going to come with me until you said that. You was coming with me. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, I had it like I was like 
cramp in your spit. Like, great, go, you know, go capitalize on that opportunity too and that one too and I'll, you know, figure some out. Because so, here's the interesting, here's the, um, the, the, and I know I have to jump here in a sec, but the, um, so, so Sanjeev, did you meet, oh yeah, Sanjeev and Becky, of course you know them. Okay. So I'm sharing with them, you know, about like what I want and they're, um, and one of the things was about like relationship and so, She's like, did you meet, like, the tallest guy here? He's got blonde hair. His name's John. Like, have you met him or whatever? And he's like, there he is. He's, like, over there. And I saw him talking to a woman, and I was like, okay. He's like, oh, you go over there and, like, introduce yourself. And I was like, oh, okay. And, like, I was totally confronted that he was talking with another woman, and I was, like, going to go over there, you know? So I eventually, like, sent you find me later. He's like, have you got, okay, I'm introducing you. Let's go. You're going now, you know? And, like, I went over there, and I'm, like, talking to him, but then, like, and then, like, another woman shows up, like, to meet him because her and I already knew each other, you know. And, like, all of a sudden, I felt so threatened. I felt, like, so uncomfortable. I was so, like, all right, peace out. I'll see you later, you know. And so that's that's just something I do when I, like, maybe sense some kind of competition or, you know, kind of like if, if you want to hang out with me, like, you'll, you'll find me, but, like, I, I got to go. I'm not, like, sticking around for this, like, the episode of The Bachelorette, you know, or The Bachelor. <laughs> you, hate, you hate losing. Are you, you competitive? I do. I'm, I'm so competitive. I'm so competitive. Hey, man, yeah. You know, we got to talk about this. It's, it's, it's that sharing, you know, being vulnerable around this, but we got a lot to talk about because uh, – uh, there's some other things I know about people that, um, uh, you know, I'll be happy to share with you about that you'll be able to transform, expand, take advantage of, see in other people. It's amazing. You just, you just, <laughs> you got no idea. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Okay. Now, then just real quick on logistics. I, I think I missed, like, was this going to be our set time? Well, I mean, I thought so, but I'm flexible, you know. Oh, awesome! I look at my calendar for next week, and I was like, "Oh man, I didn't, I just didn't put it in existence for each." You know what I mean for 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 next week. Um, okay, so next week can um, can you do ten by chance next week? Yep, ten ten a.m. Ten a.m. Yeah, I actually like that better, but yeah. Okay, great. And just a heads up: the the on that um the week after I'm in Chicago for a for a work trip. So, um, if we can either meet, um, it's like Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm in Chicago. Yeah. So if we can, you know, do something earlier or or later, but I I just want to give you the heads up that 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 Friday the twentieth, I'll um you know perf- you know asking asking for a different day and time. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, I'm flexible. Okay, fab. All right, so 10 a.m. next Friday the 13th. Yeah. I love it. Okay, great. Awesome. Great. All right, Tony, thank you so much. Yay. Talk to you and later. It, See you around campus. Actually, actually, I'm going to be at the center tonight and tomorrow. Um, so I'll probably see you. Well, I'm, in, uh, I'm actually at the New Jersey Center tonight. Oh, that's right. You did say that. Okay. Yeah, All right. yeah, yeah. Talk to you later. Have fun. All right, this was awesome, Tony. I just want to say thank you, thank you so much. It um, it made a ton of sense, and it was like um, I guess I could just 
yeah, just things started clicking, you know, some synapses started firing and, you know, a lot of aha moments and it did it in a way that I could see myself, but in a, in a very safe, you know, non-judgmental space. And, um, uh, and, and then I've got, you know, like some, some actions for the week that, uh, you know, to just, to just be in the inquiry of and, and, and play with. So this is, uh, I loved it. I loved it. Very good. Great. Yeah, and this is just starting. This is this is like, you know, this is the introduction part of the program. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It go it goes deeper, so we we just did like areas of life, right? We just identified yeah. areas of life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, got it. Got Love it. it. All, All right, great. And it's the same same number? Yep. We're gonna use the okay. same number every time. All right, ten AM next Friday. Sounds good. Thanks, Tony. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Okay, bye.